Welcome to Care Talk, America's home for incisive debate about healthcare business and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. David, who's our next victim at Health 2021? Well, John, I think the next victim was going to be my stomach after that lunch you recommended, but uh, instead we're going to shift over You to... went to the wrong food truck. It wasn't my fault. John sent me to the truck, but I, I went across the street to a hotel, so that was, that was my mistake. Well, we have a couple of days to, uh, to make up for it. But meanwhile, we're going to make up for There's it... There's a drug for that. Because we're going to be speaking with Carm Huntress. He's founder of RX Review, which I dare you to spell. Yeah, it's Carm, a little bit of a trick. Carm, welcome. What is RX Review, and why did you found that? Well, um, we are the leader in cost transparency, uh, in particular, drug cost transparency at the point of care with doctors. Why would that matter? I mean, aren't drugs affordable and transparent? Prices are transparent. Oh, John. People are- what- Tell us more. I- is John in healthcare, David? Or Here's the thing. We're sitting, in a, we're sitting in, a, in a glass booth with no roof, and we're talking about transparency, so that's, that is helpful. No one's looking. Actually, people are looking at us funny, but no one's looking at us that's with the right- That's not uncommon when you're involved. Yeah. Yes. So, exactly. so, so drug prices are something, that it, it's, it's a burden for- Every family in America, one out of four people can't afford drugs when they're on uh, chronic meds. Um, but how does more information help the consumer, help the doctor? Like, like okay, you're, are you just another app on top of the gajillion other apps across a broken digital infrastructure that's cluttering up the doctor's day? Like, what exactly does it do? Yeah, so it's a, it's a great question. We really emerged as some new standards evolved around real-time drug cost. And so what's happened in the last few years is that we've moved beyond sort of generic pricing of, hey, we think you're going to pay this much when you reach the pharmacy to, hey, patient, this is the exact price you're going to pay at the pharmacy when you reach the counter. Now, the different thing we do, unlike a lot of consumer-based applications, is we actually realized as a company that the person who makes your purchasing decision for your drugs is not you, but your doctor. And so we've really focused at getting this data. Um, now we can do pricing for about 150 million Americans, believe it or not. Getting this data to the point of care, to the point of decision by the doctor as they're ordering the drug. And so what, what's the, as a practical matter, is that, does, do, do doctors really change behavior? Do they really, you know, like my 88-year-old mom or my... My, my cousin who's on, uh, is on chronic meds because of a, a chronic disease. What's going to happen when you know, my mom or my, my, my cousin show up at the doctor and, and, and they, they, they have a new condition? and they're, what, Walk me through exactly what's relevant there. Yeah. So imagine you're in the exam room with your doctor and they're about to pick uh, a new drug for you that you've never been on before. When they select that drug to be ordered and ultimately routed to your preferred pharmacy, we take that drug and your insurance information, and then we transact that with your payer or your PBM, and we bring that real-time drug cost right in front of the doctor, and we say, hey, it looks like this drug isn't covered. It's going to cost you hundreds of dollars, um, uh, and or maybe it has a prior authorization on it. All that data comes back to us. And then what we say to the doctor is, hey, it turns out there's a, dr- a covered drug that's the, the, uh, just a different version of this drug. Maybe it's a generic. Maybe it's a different manufacturer. Uh, and that drug is covered. It's a, maybe a $20 or $50 copay. Um, and they can just switch to that drug and go, go on their merry way and within their EHR finishing the exam. 
Um, and we've been able to show uh, about a six to one ROI. And when a doctor makes a lower cost choice, the average savings we provide to a consumer is about 260 bucks a month. Wow. So not some bad numbers there in terms of helping patients um, save money on yeah, drugs. I don't know what the ROI is based on, but the 260 bucks that's really meaningful savings for consumers. Yeah, when, when we were told that number, I was actually shocked. Um, and we verified it, and it's, it's a really big deal. When you get misprescribed a drug that isn't covered by your insurance, it's a big deal. Um, and you're really stuck paying a large uh, well, amount not, of money. And not everybody's as wealthy as David and all the other denizens of this healthcare conference. The average... John, I knew I was here for a reason. You want, <laughs> you want to borrow 20 bucks or $260? Again, or one, one out of four Americans who are on chronic meds can't afford their meds every month. Oh, I mean, it's, you know it's, what? It's, 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 we, we hear that in every episode, John. Well, you know, come it's on. Like, it's, it's really important. It's relevant. Not for people like you, you know, you the BMW liberal that you are from Brookline. I don't have but, a BMW, John. <laughs> How's the Tesla doing? Which one? I'm sorry. Uh, what were you, were you going to ask a question, David? I was going to ask a question, but I wanted to get you wound up a little bit first. So, so here's the thing, Carm. I mean, I don't need a point-of-care solution to know that a generic drug is cheaper than a branded drug. And also, you know, my doctor went to medical school. He didn't go to business school. And so maybe I don't want the doctor making a decision based on price. I want a doctor making a decision that's based on what's best for me medically, and then I'll argue it out with the insurer. I'm worried about people getting headed off, and he's going to make a prescribing decision for financial reasons. Why is that good? You want to take that one, John? Well, no, I, 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 David, come on, really. Do you, you don't, you don't think the doctor wants to do the right thing for the patient? Your brother's a doctor. Your brother really cares about doing the best for his patients in rural New York. I think he's getting a Tesla also, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, let's, let's not get off topic. But as a, but as a a practical matter, David, are you suggesting that we should deny doctors information that could help patients? You know, John, are you in the denial of information in guy? You should join pharma. So, you know, there's this concern about, you know, biases people have, right? So when a physician is examining somebody, just had this discussion the other, the other week, they'll see somebody and they may have certain conditions to say, well, that's not a disease, you know, that, that Latinos get. That's an Ashkenazi disease. And so somebody doesn't get diagnosed with Crohn's or colitis because of that. And I think a similar thing could happen and say, well, this is a cost-sensitive patient based on what they look like. And I'm, I'm only going to give them a drug that's going to be cheaper. And so I actually do worry about these second-order things. I mean, yes, of course we want to see if it's the exact same thing. I'm going to choose one versus the other. But the same way the doctors are maybe over-influenced by pharma, marketing them, telling them this or that, you know, and all the sort of psychological tricks, I think you have to watch out for that. As a patient, uh, I'm concerned about, um, you know, what kind of assumptions someone's yeah. going to make them on the financial side. Can I? May jump I? in. Let me, let it me is see. Your, if, it is your, it's your show. Let me just point. see. Get, jump let, in. Let, let's see if we can break this Defend yourself one down. here. So, yeah. So, first of all, um, doctors have an incredible amount of bias. Um, I will never forget an early study I read where uh, a bunch of data scientists took Medicare claims data, prescribing data, and were just able to look at the prescribing habits of doctors and were able to match up to 30 years back what residency program they went to. So they are incredibly biased and they are very habitual. And that's not necessarily best for you as a patient. The other thing I'd say that's just sort of obvious here that maybe you don't see initially is that this isn't a human decision, to be honest. It's really a computational problem. So if I have a hypertensive, high cholesterol type 2 diabetic in front of me, and I have to pick a drug for each one of those conditions, David, how many options am I sitting in front of? You want to take a guess? 
Um, quickly, 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 faster. We're, we're, on we're, awesome. we're out of time. Nineteen. One point two trillion combinatorial options. Right. That's how many drugs are out there, and you just do out the math. That's the problem. And so we really see a world. And I'm just saying, you know, that's not even cost choice. That's just drug choice. Right. If we add in the complexity of your plan and your benefit, right, this is a very, very hard problem we're up against. And, you know, well, today we're just sort of doing simple things that are, you know, equivalent, right, a, a therapeutic equivalent that's like less expensive. I think the future here is really about intelligence and saying, you know, where is the. You lost victim? him when you brought up the intelligence thing. Well, he's, I know that's just kind of like. He thought, does. Yeah. He, he did. He just switched to a Tesla. So we have to just <laughs> give him he's, that. He's, he, yeah. So, but David, as a practical matter, well, if one point, you don't like the statistic, but if people can't afford to pay for the drugs they're on, you want to deny them access to information about drugs they can afford? I mean, I think you've painted yourself into a pretty yeah, dark corner. Well, luckily, it's all, <laughs> luckily, the corner behind me is glass. I'll have uh, our producer take a photo to demonstrate no, but that. I think, I think, now, I let's think, jump I ahead. Think, well, I, think, I think what's interesting about transparency in itself, look, I was president of Castlight. Transparency is great. It's relevant transparency at the point of care is, I think, where RX Review has really distinguished itself. And part of changing behavior is, getting the right information at the right time, which is hard, getting it into workflow, which is almost impossible, point of care, and then providing something that's really going to help patients. And I think those who think that affordability doesn't matter to people who can't afford their health care are not connected to the human pain and suffering right. that this healthcare system too frequently... All right, John. Mr. Gas Guzzler. Let's actually look into the future because that's what this conference is about. Okay. Now, one thing that seems interesting to me is we talk well, about you're how stuck in the past. The, so let's go. All right. So I'm. I don't. You know, if you if you look ahead and you say, well, more information is actually going to help the market work better, right? We talk about having you know, the market doesn't work; it's broken as it relates to drug pricing. But what happens if you actually have something like RX Review that becomes ubiquitous and these signals are actually changing behavior? It seems to me that that could actually affect drug pricing, negotiations, formularies, and you can actually have a more rational situation uh, where the, the patient, where there's less friction between what's the right drug for the patient and what's actually covered, right? And, and if we look ahead, I mean, what are the implications there? Yeah, I think what's so interesting about this market is, you know, we're still in the very early, you know, innings. We we support about a quarter million doctors today, and there's still a long way to go. If you think about total prescribers, and how many so, doctors are there? Well, if you if you say prescribers, we care about prescribers. Doctors, there's you can argue eight hundred and fifty, nine hundred thousand additional prescribers. You know, nurse practitioners, clinical pharmacists, etc. That that puts you about a million. A million one, million two, you know, estimates vary. So there's still a huge amount of opportunity here just getting basic cost transparency to doctors. My belief is that we finally are getting into a world where we can measure, right? You don't know how to improve until you can measure what the cost of something is. And I think we're truly getting to that inflection point. And so what I get excited about on top of all the great regulatory work and there's mandates becoming uh, behind us. Regulatory work? Yeah, there really is. It's really Look, there's hard a, to connect those here, two. Here, let's connect the dot, which is... That's kind of, you're taking an indefensible position, too. Let's like, Tell me about John the is great up. John, what is regulatory. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, there are what, did, what did John have for lunch today? That's what I want to know. I don't know. He went to the Mexican food booth, apparently, and he is it's on fabulous. fire it's right fabulous. now. Go. He is on tell fire. us about your great regulatory Yeah, so progress. as of this year, there is a new mandate under Part D... Um, What's the, Part D? Part D is the pharmacy drug benefit for federally insured uh, individuals. Um, and basically, it, what it says is that all payers who support um, Part D members have to provide a real-time benefit tool for drug costs. 
So now it's a mandate um, because they have seen really good ROI because we have saved patients and payers a lot of money. And so, you know, beyond that, I think what we If you don't provide that to everyone and they have to provide it to everyone, who's providing it? To those who aren't provided by RX Review, like what happens to those other what the hell kind of question is that, John? Thousand prescribers who don't have the information. Well, that's our job right now. I mean, I think we're still in a first the first inning of a very long game to get this ubiquitous. My that hope- sounds like regulatory awareness versus regulatory progress. <laughs> <laughs> well, one one leads to the other, John. That's right. the good news. Um, and so, look, I think that the big opportunity here is I believe in really a fully what RX Review can be is this transparent layer for healthcare. And, you know, part of what's happened because of the success of pharmacy, our payer and PBM partners are now coming to us and say, hey, wait a minute, we have this new thing that can price a lab and, and an image and radiology and referrals. Um, can you get all this data into the ordering workflow? So when, you know, the doctor makes a, a referral to a surgery center or, you know, wants to order a certain lab test, we can tell them what the most effective uh, option is. And um, also uh, uh, help the patient understand the costs. And so, so the, I think a tipping point has sort of started David, now that you we're really opening up the door. Yeah, David, are you trying to get in here? No, I just want to know, uh, John, I wanted to give you a chance to go cut the catalytic converter off your car and be a real clink, throwback. Clink, but clink, clink. anyway, Carm, so, I mean, it sounds like we're making progress on, on the one hand. You mentioned these, you know, 1.2 trillion combinations or whatever, whatever the number was. But... When we have more and more drugs that are, you know, specialty drugs, which is now like one percent of the prescriptions, but fifty percent plus of the cost, do you have the same sort of dynamic? You know, where physicians prescribing is it more a matter of are they going the specialty route or not? Or I mean, does RX Review become more or less valuable when you're dealing with these expensive meds that are maybe more differentiated? Yeah, I think I think it becomes more relevant because it's really a discussion about cost. You know, these therapies are getting insanely ins- expensive. You know, tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars per patient per year. There, there are some therapies that are incredibly exciting, um, and so it, it you can have that more rational discussion with the patient if they really, you know, can they even bear that cost? And then you have to look at alternatives opposed to sending them out to potentially bear something they really can't co- that they can't afford. I think the second thing I'd say, David that I'm super excited about is the transition to value, right? We're opening up a door with the data and analytics we have to well, finally get to value. talks about the transition oh, John, to value. I, I mean, what, is, what does that even but, mean? But, John, look. You're we, just we, trying we, to hang yourself no, on another really flag. Everybody loves value. What's, who's against value? It's like being against apple pie. Hey, can we cut this guy's mic, please? I mean, you know, can, can we just say that we finally have a tool to measure? I mean, this is the thing. We live in a system where we're saying we need value. Well, how do you know something's valuable, John? You have to know what it costs. So if, how do you tie how do you, that? How, how do you, do you know pu- how much David's Tesla costs? How, I mean, do, how do we pull that? How do we pull I talked to his brother. How do we pull that through from a, for, for the single source, dramatic, targeted cancer therapy? Like, what would be the, the, the like, these drugs are unbelievable. They're ridiculously priced, but they also are, are life-changing for sure. If there's not competition, is there still, for a drug category, is there still room for RX review? Well, I think what's, what's exciting is we run this transaction within the EHR to know the cost. We also can look at the clinical data. And the future of a business like this is the combination. And then making that transparent to payers and the manufacturers to say, hey, did this drug actually do what it was supposed so to you do? You can tie it to the, the, e- the electronic health record, which would include the claims post using the drug. So, yeah. you know, certainly there are, are folks like ICER, Institute for Clinical and Economic Review, 
that is trying to uh, have a rational pricing for, for drugs. And they get criticized for the methodology and so on. And part of that is because it's a little bit more theoretical. Is that a good basis in terms of a framework that you can use and actually bring you know, real data in? Or has that become outdated once you've got your combination that you actually bring. Well, I think time. I think you you know when you get into a real kind of an esoteric reference. It is, there, it is like, esoteric. I mean, really, but like we're going to go with it. We're in Boston, not Vegas. We can yeah. handle intellectual questions. Yeah, here. I, that was a pretty heavy. I mean, that was like an MIT yeah, or should I say Harvard? Check. Yeah, check, Harvard check. level question. Yeah. How many degrees was, from Harvard does John have? I yeah. forgot. Well, answer the question as as asked. As asked. <laughs> so so I think I think we are on a better trajectory, right? Because it really comes down to the individual patient, the plan, the drug, the cost, the clinical data. Creating that combinatorial thing really gives you the infrastructure necessary to move into value. And I think that's really where the future of this whole industry is going. And so I get, you know, that's where I get really excited about where we can go. Because we are up against, you know, if you think what's coming, right? And you think about these new therapies, whether it's oncology, John, you brought up, or um, these curative things, we have some really tough economic decisions to make. Um, and if we're not measuring and understanding the effectiveness against the other options, um, we're go- we're, you know, we, we don't really know how to rationalize these things. I, I mean, I think, you know, saying we're on a tra- trajectory, a good trajectory is saying we're not in the right place yet. It's what I yeah. tell my kids when they, they aren't really doing what they're supposed to do. But even someone as data insensitive as David has mm-hmm. got to admit that we should actually measure the results of the drugs that we're prescribing. That doesn't happen today? I, I, you know, we are just getting to that level of measurement. I mean, I think the industry, if you look historically, you know, we've really relied on um, static data sources like formulary and benefit to sort of know what the patient cost is going to be. And that's completely inaccurate to what they actually pay at the, at the pharmacy uh, when they get to the counter because it doesn't include deductibles or, you know, uh, accumulators or coinsurance, the list just goes on of complexity that a patient's up against when they, they need to pay. So look, John, we've got to really rationalize this towards, you know, what's the patient going to pay and how are we measuring, right, the clinical value that's providing a patient? That That's ultimately what this comes down to. So maybe last question, Carm, you mentioned all of the different uh, elements and all the complexity on the health mm-hmm. insurance side. What about coupons and things that might go outside of, uh, of insurance? I mean, how does that play in? Oh, you're decision? like pharma-friendly Oh, question. you know what? I tried to ask a question. I, oh. I, ch- I was going to give John the, the chance to ask the last question. Manipulation but I said, is so, what they are. Or make a, yeah. ask a question disguised as a, you know, a statement disguised as a question. But I thought yeah. I would ask a question. Well, well, yeah, so look, the right, so, so again, let's pay attention to the end zone which is what I want to do when the doctor's making the decision. If I really had ultimate knowledge and information, as I would go out and I would say, what is the lowest cost cost option drug that is most convenient to the patient? That's the question I'm trying to answer. And so these things like coupons and manufactured discounts and um, some of the other, you know, manufacturer programs. Juiced manipulation of the market. Yeah, yeah. Just David. um, Yeah. Just like the food truck David went to, the juice truck. Did you go to the juice truck? No, no. it came over here. John was complaining they didn't give him a high enough dosage. But I think I think that the, there, there's, a, there's a really interesting information dislocation that I don't think we're aware of. I, I certainly was only aware of the pricing challenge. And even though David doesn't understand what middle class and poor people have to pay, you know, the, the reality is that more and more of the burden of actual paying, not forget the consumer-driven plans where the patient or the, the member, the insured takes total risk. 
but the increase in deductibles, coinsurance, and actually benefit coverage, more of that dollar is dollars are being paid by families, working families that, that can't afford it. And I think that's powerful. But the, the notion that you can actually innovate around outcomes, that's really exciting. And so uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, guys, this has been great. I hope you get your car issues sorted out. But this yeah. has been a pleasure. Thank you. Well, well, we'll go check it out in the garage. In any case, that's it for yet another edition of Care Talk here at Health 2021. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. Thanks for listening and please subscribe on your favorite service. And thanks, Carm, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.